Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. So, Joe, we talked about the classification for VHSL, I think, the last three weeks solid. Uh, and we're back at it again this week because there's just new news every week. Uh, last week, early in the week, uh, there was an email out from the VHSL and that listed all the appeals that had been submitted based on the proposal that they had put out. And, and there was still a little bit of news there. Um, what caught my biggest attention, just because that's what locally what everybody's talking about is Riverhead's appeal. And uh, I don't think that was English what I just said there, but Riverhead's appeal. I, you know, when I see that the smallest four schools are all appealing and five of the bottom six are appealing, I, I, I wonder if there's an aspect of like, if everybody else is appealing, then we should too. I wonder if that plays a fact. I don't know the behind the scenes of this decision. I do know though, just because of football, only because of football and how dominant Riverhead's bid, I just don't like how it's viewed upon out there. I don't like how people are throwing shade at Riverheads. I think it would be avoidable if they just didn't appeal and they just played class two. So like no matter what now, Riverheads is going to have shade throw on them. And I, I just hate that for a, you know, a school that I, the, the one I care about most, the one I graduated from, the one I'm really proud of how successful they've been. I, I just wish they, they weren't going through that. I, I wish there wasn't a need for that decision or the want for that, for that appeal. So um, that's my view on that. I went deep into what I thought about Riverheads last week on this, but also seeing five of the small six smallest schools that are proposed to be in class two are appealing to stay in class one does make me, you know, wonder what conversations have happened with those other schools and what the mentality is of, of not, you know, being the odd man left out there and having bigger schools than Riverheads go back to class one. So it's just a, a point I wanted to point out, not, changing my mind on how I view it, but that's that's something that I noticed in this list of appeals. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> I guess my thing with it is, you know, kind of like I touched on last week, I just think geographically, which is normally the reason, uh, although school size is definitely a reason to. Um, but I'm normally, fine with it just being school size. I'm fine with that blatant black and white fact. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I guess one of the classifications needs to be smaller. Right now it's class one, but it's only smaller by, by a one. school. By one. So yeah. you can't have – all those appeals aren't going to be able to go through, in no. my opinion. So in that case, I think you got to draw the line somewhere. And I think it probably gets drawn where Riverheads is on the wrong side of that line for them. I, um, I do wonder seeing those schools, Grayson County, Randolph Henry, and James River, larger than Riverheads doing the appeal, Mountain View, which is the old Stonewall, and George With, smaller than Riverheads appealing. I wonder if they go draw that line between Mountain View and Riverheads. Like, I wonder if, if Riverheads becomes the smallest in class two. I just don't see them including them unless they go higher than Riverheads. I'd hate, I, I don't want Riverheads to be the biggest in class one. I, I, don't, I don't want that scenario. <laughs> I also just think, and we touched on this last week, I mean, when you look at Class 2 um, and the schools around, right, like Luray, uh, Page. Sure. Um, Strasburg's still kind of a drive. but um, And then you look at some of the Fort. I mean, anything up 81, but that's old school, though. I mean, that's, well, that's what the that's region, region B used to be, Strasburg. Is Fort going to Class 2? Did you mix this? No. So draft, Fort, Fort. Central. Like 
those are all class two schools. And yeah. those are closer than your class one schools that you're going right. to be in the region with outside of Buffalo Gap. Um, so I just think from a from a standpoint of I, I know that means, you know, less deep runs for some of these other programs. I, I think football will be fine. I don't think football sure. is But everybody's reaction is based on football. Like, yes. That's all anybody's um, thinking about. But again, like you and I have talked about this too. Like I think that's something the VHSL needs to look at in general in terms of the, how they do some of the sports. Like I don't think a team that wins a game all regular season should be in a playoff. Like I, yeah, and that's sorry. where like so I think going to class two. Like yeah, maybe some of the teams that had deep postseason runs in class one. Um, not named football, but some of the other ones for Riverheads, like they won't have those runs. They won't even be in the playoffs. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I also think whatever money you think you're losing in the gate, you're going to make up in gas by not having to travel to all these other places. You know, well, Riverheads hadn't traveled in too much playoffs recently. That Mountain View school, which is the old Stonewall, when they were in Region 1B, which they're appealing to go back to 1B, they, um, they are – that was when they were making the playoffs without winning a game or winning one game and making the playoffs. Like, I I, I don't know. I'm just fine with numbers being the numbers. Though, like, dead honest, if they just did it the way the numbers showed and made Liberty Christian stay in Class 3, which they're actually appealing to stay in Class 3, so good for them for having a conscience. Maggie see, Walker that's the other also, thing, right? Like, uh, I, there's a lot of schools – I guess I need to see the schools appealing – to go to class two from class three. But if, if LCA there's wants to go up many. Yeah. If LCA wants to go up and then there's a LCA lot of schools, and Maggie Walker. Yep. There's a lot of schools that are saying, Hey, we want to go down. I think that hurts Riverheads. I think now that being said, I don't know of any go that were shown for class three. I, I, I'm not recalling any for class three. That I, say, I don't remember seeing an East so Rock. So if there is any, it's minimal. Is East, East Rock would be one of the ones I would think, right? And East I, Rock's staying. East Rock's yeah. fine. So I, They're not appealing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who's going to be appealing. Yeah. Um, and I, in that I, case. I don't really want Riverheads to win this appeal. Am I, I like, don't either. My, I kind of want them to stay in class two yeah. and just, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be the new normal. You'll be fine. Your student athletes will be fine. Other schools with appeals out there that I found interesting that I, I might not have realized before. I think I talked about William Monroe wanting to be in the Valley District. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not huge on that. Monticello is appealing to stay in class three rather than uh, go up to four. Um, I talked about LCA and Maggie Walker choosing to be in class three rather than drop into class two. Liberty Bedford. This is one I had not heard at all. Uh, they are wanting to get out of the Seminole District and get into the Dogwood district they have struggled in that seminal district in these last few years um i think really their main wins have come non-conference games non-district games so uh that's an interesting move uh geographically i think it still kind of works there where they're located so that's fine but one that popped up to me was charando joe's charando uh they want to stay in 4d instead of going up to 5d and, and you you i think Reference them being on that line before. I mean, Riverheads has been on this line before, so we're familiar with this. But Sharando, they're the second smallest class 
class five. Um, by class five team, I have a type of hair on my thing. And uh, the team that's smaller than them, Potomac Falls, that's the smallest, they're not appealing. Um, but, you know, it's within, so, you know, 11, 11 numbers here, 11 students here. So 10. Yeah. They're right there at the bottom. So uh, a little bit of background on that. Potomac Falls okay. is in eastern Loudoun County. So they're kind of close to a lot of those Fairfax schools that are in class five anyway. Yeah. Um, playing into the geography. Sharando is in Frederick County. Every other Frederick County school is a class four. Winchester City's yeah. Hanley High School is class four. Uh, you have Liberty Bedford or Liberty Bealton is a class four, which is in uh, Fauquier County. I think Fauquier is class four. Woodgrove, some of these other western Loudoun County schools, all class four. So for Sharando, like they're going to be traveling. They're kind of like I was saying. Uh, with Riverheads and why I think you should stay in class two. Sharando wants to be in class four because they don't want to drive all the way to Fairfax, which is an hour and a half for a region game. And they don't, or, you know, Eastern Loudoun, which is still an hour and a half. Or Harrisonburg being the closest team they play, which is, you know, a little over an hour away. Uh, so they don't, they don't want that. Um, and I understand that. I don't know how it's going to go. The VHSL has kind of given them the benefit of the doubt in the appeals so far. So I don't know if they do that again. But again, I mean, you're looking at like Loudoun Valley. Uh, that's a team that is kind of in the middle of Loudoun County over near Lees or Percival. Um, but yet when you look at the other schools in their area that are class four and it kind of they're going to be putting up a strong fight to stay there because they don't they don't want to go up and then have their travel budgets and everything else just shoot through the roof. I there was some like three percent rule, which was like I think that I think it's I'm not sure if it's a spoken rule or what, but like if you're within three percent of the of the line, like it's more likely you to get to get approved. Sharando falls within that very easily. They're like 1% is the difference that they're trying to make. I up. was going to so, say, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. You mentioned it's 11 kids. Like, yeah, it's not many when you're talking 1,200 kids. Right. It's 11 kids isn't many anywhere unless you're Highland County. Which, I mean, in Riverhead's defense, they're not, they're not I think far they're, off either. I think they're, they're like nine. Yeah, it's some, somewhere there. Uh, yeah, the highest is Westmoreland at 348 and, and Riverhead's 357. Yeah, 357. So. Yeah, sorry. Matt, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see how all that goes. The, you know, the dates that matter to people that are really hung up on this, uh, August 15th, that's the day we're recording this podcast. That's the deadline to submit an opposition to an appeal. So I guess people saw these appeals, I guess other schools or districts can appeal back uh then the 23rd the appeal committee meets and that's that's when decisions are going to get made that's when they'll put together what they want to do with these appeals who gets approved who doesn't and they'll push that to the executive committee and then it's the formality of the executive executive committee you know determining the final alignment on september september 21st so between now and september 21st this month of time this will all get decided, and we'll know a year from now where these schools will move to in these conferences and and our districts and classifications, and that'll all be fun. I, as long as the Shenandoah district holds steady, I'll be I will I won't lose a minute of sleep because I love this district. The whole Allegheny coming thing in uh, was apparently a typo. wasn't wasn't 
that people there just was no didn't get to reason for it to be included. So I'm glad it's not. So uh, I love this district the way it is. I want to hold on to it for as long as we can. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right, let's look ahead. Uh, we started a couple of weeks talk, talking about cross country. We know we'll be talking about football a lot, but let's talk about volleyball as their season's going to get started here in about a week with um, 822 being the first volleyball game where Buffalo Gap will host Bath County. But we have very good volleyball in this area. We've had, you know, Stanton in recent times be very good. Riverheads has gone to four straight state title games. Uh, Fort Defiance is, is always very strong, especially in this district uh, and, and when they were in the Valley too. Uh, Wilson, very solid volleyball program. So those top four schools, uh, they finished in the top four last year. And uh, but Fort Defiance won it, and that was Sue Leonard's last season. She is a longtime coach there, had a lot of success, and she went out great with you know making it all the way to the state quarterfinals before they fell, uh, losing to Hidden Valley last year. But that's a team that sure they lose a lot, and and you talk about you know number one right there, Lonnie, Lainey Goggin, uh, second team All State, first team region, all um, all Shenandoah Player of the Year, you know. You're going to miss her, but they have a lot of talent coming back there for Fort Defiance with their new coach, Amber Pitsenbarger. You got Blaley, uh, Bailey Blaylock and Ellie Cook both back, uh, both on the all-district team uh, or all-region team even too. So just a lot of experience coming back for Fort Defiance. And, and just looking over that kind of fact here, that makes it hard for me to say that Fort Defiance isn't the favorite to win this district. When they go 12-0 and last year, and they still have a lot of talent, a lot of all-region talent coming back. It, it makes me think that they have to be the favorite this year in the district. Yeah, and again, it's it's just one of those things where we kind of need to see somebody to beat them, right? And um, yeah. I think it's been two years now we haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, and they've been really, really good. And it's not taking right. anything away from Wilson or River Reds or really anybody else in the district, but it's – when you see that kind of dominance, it's kind of like how we feel about Riverheads football, right? I mean, yeah. maybe not to that extent, but they're they're a very dominant force in volleyball right now. And kind of like with football, like we're not going to believe Riverheads isn't going to win that district until somebody comes up and beats them. So right. I'm not going to believe that Fort Defiance is going to win that district in volleyball until I see, you know, Wilson be able to beat them, Riverheads be able to beat them or, you know, whoever. And then that team also be able to su- sustain some success. And, um, even though they lose a lot, as you mentioned, it's just kind of a program that seems to reload and not necessarily rebuild. Yeah, yeah and looking at these, other, like, who could beat Fort Defiance? You're going to look at Wilson, Riverheads, and Gap. Those are the first three you're looking at based on teams from last year. Wilson, I, you know, I'm not going to rule them out. You know, they, sure. they lost some good players with the Casing Girl and Minor, uh, but Allison Sykes is back. That should be good for them. They are also they are one of these teams that schedule pretty hard in the non-district. They play a lot of those Valley District teams that are solid. They open up with Spotswood. I think they play TA and teams like that too. Uh, Fort Defiance does that as well. So I think Wilson will be up for the challenge like normal. I don't think that's different than than normal. So I think Wilson's that you know next best team to look at. But then also Riverheads. You know this is a team that's just I mean four straight state championship games really successful when they get into that postseason and, and they've given, you know, they beat Wilson in these previous years. They've given for, you know, knocked off a game or something like that. And it made you think, but you know, I think one of those two teams that have the best chance uh, based on like who they have coming back and, and the age of the team. 
Um, I know Buffalo Gap, I believe they have a new coach this year, so I'm interested in what they can do. But they were a, a step behind those top three teams last year. So I'd really give it to the green team and the red team, the Wilson or Riverheads teams, to have the best shot at knocking off Fort Defiance this year. And, and kind of saying that, I think those three teams, when they when they meet this season, those are the games to highlight just off the bat right there. And, and we have a kind of an easy pattern here. There's three straight Tuesdays in September – uh, 913, 922, and 927, three straight uh, Tuesdays where uh, that doesn't add up right, but <laughs> from the schedule I was looking at online, unless there's a typo, but basically three straight weeks where you'll have the first week Riverheads versus Wilson, the next week Wilson versus Fort, and then the next week Fort versus Riverheads. Just, you know, early in the week, those three weeks, you should be able to find like the matchups that are going to start telling the story of this season where these teams that finished in the top three last year when they're playing each other here in the first half of the season, it can start telling the story of, of who's going to be what. And if Fort Defiance, you know, wins through that, beats Riverheads and beats Wilson there in the first few weeks of the season, I think that's just going to make us all predict what we're predicting here before the season even starts, that Fort Defiance is going to run away with this thing. Yeah. yeah and, you know, that's going to be the key, right? Middle of September. Well, I guess mid to late September. Um. And they tend to get into the postseason before football, so that's kind of like the, yeah. I guess, the meat and potatoes there of the volleyball schedule at that point. Right. The two things looking at the bottom half of the district that I that I want to point out, Stanton, this is a team not that far removed from really, you know, top-tier success. You know, when they uh, – um, uh, Coach Jan, uh, when she was there, Jan Williams, when she was there, you know, they they were playing for big games, all-time regions, going to states, all that kind of stuff. They're not that far removed from that. So I'm interested to see if that team, who who had some good games last year, I, you know, I I I think they had a, they knocked off Wilson or Riverheads at some point. Um, I, I'm just basing that off memory. But they have some good games. They've had some good moments. I wonder if they can build on that. I wonder if they're, you know, moving upward and swinging back up. They do have a new coach in Emmy Burks this year. So I'm just I'm, – I'm interested to see what kind of momentum that program can get. And then I know you know Lori Ashire at Waynesboro, the volleyball coach mm-hmm. there. I, I'm interested just to see if they can get something going here. They've kind of been slumped down in the bottom here these last couple of years, as a lot of Waynesboro sports have, not just volleyball, I'm not just pegging this on them, but I'm just wondering if we can kind of see them swing upward, find a win or a couple wins this year and kind of turn their, their momentum around in that program. Cause I mean, Waynesboro has had a lot of success athletically across the board. It's disappointing to see this kind of run here. So I'm interested to see if they can kind of change that momentum here this year. Yes. I am with you there. I think it's going to be yeah. important for them. Um, they, they're going to have some senior and junior leadership, right? They're going to have that veteran leadership. Yeah. They just need to be able to turn that into some wins. And, and they'll have their shot. I mean, look, it's a, it's going to be a fun, tough district. Um, as we said, we're expecting Fort to come out on top in that district. But it's going to be a, a race to see if somebody can, one, knock them off, and then how the middle of the field plays out. Definitely. Well, a lot to look forward to volleyball. We'll be talking about volleyball all year on the Exports podcast. Um, as I hope to make it to a couple games this year, haven't made it in the last couple years just with stuff going on, but hoping to this year, but, uh, we'll have coverage all season, no matter what, but Joe looking at the pros major league baseball, the thing that has stuck out to me the most this week with major league baseball. And I know it's not what stuck out for you. Um, this, uh, Edwin Diaz entrance for the Mets where they play this trumpet song, the Timmy trumpet. Uh, narco song when he's coming out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think yeah. it's like, I think it's really cool. I love that kind of stuff in baseball. I know everybody kind of looks back to relievers coming out and 
I mean, it, it goes back to like Major League Baseball with Wild Thing coming on and, and coming out of the bullpen and all that. But like, I, I think it's cool in the real world. And and not that I liked Mariano Rivera at all, but I like Inner Sandman when it played at Tech Games. But like, I like when they go to that effort to establish something like that. And especially in this game that's just changing where you have all these pitchers coming in for the closers still to have that kind of special role. And when they are dominant and having great seasons and great, I mean, Diaz more than a great season. He's had a great career. Uh, I love that. He has this little special signature song entrance and, and the TV coverage up there has done great with it. So that stood out to me in the last week, every tweet that has that in it, I've been watching. Yeah, I think, um, I've enjoyed those tweets too. And I think yeah. their production team is doing a great job. Social media is doing a great job of promoting it. It is cool. Um, the Orioles closer, Felix Batista, uh, during his last home game appearance came out and the fans had kind of been clamoring for this for a while. And the Orioles finally did it. Um, they, uh, popular on the show, the wire there is, uh, if you've seen it, there is the Omar whistle as he comes walking yeah. down the street. Um, so he comes out of the bullpen and it's plays the Omar whistle and then goes into, uh, his song which plays to baltimore and the wire and all that so yeah, that was kind of cool. cool that they did that and the fans loved it um but yeah and i'm with you on this i think all closers like batter intros yeah it, when they come up to the plate like there should be closer intros and you should think about it and it should be cool uh it should be yeah. intimidating and fun and awesome and i i like that i've my brother and i play this game all the time like oh if you had a batter intro you know what would it be and if you were coming out of the bullpen, you know, close in the ninth, what would your song be? Blah, blah, blah. And I always thought, and this is not intimidating necessarily, but as a reliever that, um, oh, who was it? Eric Prids did a, like a remix of the Steve call Winwood, on. Valerie. Yeah, it was, except it was called uh, Call yeah, On yeah, Me. Yeah. yeah. Call yeah. On Me. I think calling Call On Me out of the bullpen, I love that. Like for me, I was like, I, that's my deal. Is a video for that? Yeah, it's um, yeah. Okay. we can't play that on the jumbotron, obviously. But um, <laughs> I'm not gonna retweet that. <laughs> no, but I think I thought like, what a great song for a closer to come out to. Uh, but yeah, I, the trumpets uh, is probably better. <laughs> one of the entrance songs I really like. Um, oh, it's like I think it's like stand up and shout or stand up, and it's from like the movie Rockstar which is not a great movie, I'd but like the music and it's great. Like hmm. it's, it, they made this, it's like some real band, I believe, but like they made like all the stereotypical, like seventies, eighties, you know, kind of heavy metal rock, but it, it was a little softer than that. But that's like the stand up and shouts on and like the entrance for it is like really cool. Like it reminds you of like one of those wrestle or entrances or something like that. That's like one song that came to my mind when you were saying something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty Rest good. Wrestler intros mean, are great too. That's that's different, different music, different genres. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wow. I just love that. I gotta be honest. One that came in my head as I was watching a new show on Netflix, um that was a song I hadn't heard in forever. I was like, great song. Um it was by a group called The Heavy, which was kind of popular about a decade ago. Or well, much more popular than they are now, which is not at all. But um, they had a song. It wasn't their big hit, uh, but they had a song called The Big Bad Wolf, which I was like, oh, great song. What a great intro that would be. Was it The Three Little Pigs you were watching? No. It was uh, The Sandman. 
which I'll talk about later. But <laughs> how far back does this go? Like, were you three when you were watching this? <laughs> you might know them from How You Like Me Now. That was a good song. <laughs> but yeah. I, I like the entrance combo. I, that's something we might need to swing back to at some point. I need to do homework. I should have prepared us for that. Yeah, I want to do oh. homework. I'll I'll come up with a, a whole list for different scenarios. Sports yeah, entrances. We need scenarios and, and that. that's that's good. Yeah. Um all right. So what probably did stick to more for you for Major League Baseball this last week? The Orioles on a little bit of a downward swoon coming yeah, into great. Monday night. Monday night, I think they're winning. They're beating the Blue Jays, which is really important. Not because they're starters. Uh, Monday sure. night here. Yeah, 7-2. to two. They're, they're golden here. Yeah. But they lost 3-4, of four, losing a one-game uh, rain makeup mm-hmm. with the Red Sox on Thursday, and then lost 2-3 of three, uh, versus the Devil Rays there, or just the Rays these days. Yeah, they're not um, the Devil Rays. Don't they need to have a good week is, is, is where it's at. Yeah. And I think they can. I mean, it's the Blue Jays. Uh, the Cubs on a Thursday with another one of those one-day makeups, and then the Red Sox for a full series. You know, they they have, what, seven games there? I think they need to win, like, five of those this week to kind of get that momentum back in their favor and then get this playoff done this year. I would like it if they could. Um, again, I'm I'm trying to be honest with myself, right? I was very frustrated on Sunday with how the Orioles sure. played. It was um, coming off a game Saturday. Uh, Sunday, we almost got perfect game, which was the most embarrassing. But Saturday, I was waiting. my move there in the perfect game, like when it's happening, I don't want it to happen. It's like if it's a Yankees pitcher. Yeah, doing it, I like talk about it. I'm like, hey, guys, look, there's a no hitter going on or perfect game. And like, so I was surprised you weren't texting me about it to like. Jinx I was it, just but. too nervous watching. I was like, <laughs> and well, and angry. If I'm being perfectly honest with our yeah. audience, I was also angry. because I was like, hit just, in that building. Hit it's the a damn ball. Building. Um, hit it off a catwalk for crying out loud. Um, but it was, um. Saturday was kind of a day they so you're you mentioned the rain out loss, but then they come back, they beat the Rays on Friday, and then the news breaks Friday that Saturday, one of their top pitching prospects, Deal Hall, is going to make his major league debut. For whatever reason, they have Robinson Chirinos catch him. Not sure on the the rationale behind that and not having your already better catcher and guy who is much better at handling the rotation in terms of framing pitches and calling pitches and all the defensive side. I don't know why you don't put him behind the plate. They elected not to. D.L. Hall did not have a great day. Um, and, you know, he's going to transition back to the bullpen in Norfolk and then come back up in September for the playoff run. Um, but that was not what we wanted on Saturday. And then Sunday, as I mentioned, you almost get perfect game. Today has been a bounce back. Their starter today had a rough inning where I thought he was going to try to blow it. Uh, I still don't love our rotation for the most part. Um, and, and you know, when he, but as I was saying, yes, I would love for them to make the playoffs this year, but I'm trying to be honest with myself when I look at it in the big picture, like today, after sleeping on it, after watching us almost get perfect game, I was like, you know what? Coming into the season, I was just hoping we didn't lose a hundred games. And now we are in the thick of the playoff race. Yeah. I need to temper expectations. If we don't make it, that's okay. Which I think some fans are like, well, this is why we should have bought at the deadline. But No, you should not have bought at the deadline. Buying at the deadline would have been the wrong move. Getting Brett Phillips for cash is whatever. I, I wouldn't have done that either, mainly because I think Brett Phillips isn't worth whatever you pay the equipment manager to carry the bats. But, um, I, yeah, I just... 
right now, I want the team to do well. The team is bailing out a bad pitcher tonight by teeing off on a even worse Blue Jays pitcher. Hopefully, they can win this series in Toronto, come back, uh, and just really continue to play well. As yeah. that, I mean, that's kind of where we are right now. It's it's all we can do as Orioles fans is hope that it keeps getting better, and um, it could be worse. We're not the worst team on the Beltway, so. I mean, they're the the other team in the Beltway is the worst in the league. So it almost seems like there was that brief moment in time, like twenty twelve and twenty through like twenty fifteen or whatever, where both teams were kind of good at the same time. But that's been the beginning very brief. with the Nats run. Yeah, yeah, that's been very brief. The Nats run started a little bit earlier, I think, and then um, the lead yeah, up sixteen, they and were it lasted longer. Yeah, and it lasted longer, but. The, well, those two teams have not yeah. been good at the same time, it it would appear. Well, it's a limited – I mean, they, they've only been there for so long, the Nats have. So it'd be cool if they could both get good. Uh, it looks like they won't be with Baltimore headed up the up and Nationals headed down. Um, yeah, I mean, you lose that series to Tampa Bay, you fall behind them in the wild card, but now here's Toronto who's, you know, just a little bit above that in the wild card. You can, you can make up for yourself here and then a good weekend against Boston. So – I think if they can pull off five out of seven, you, you're looking, you're you're happy, you're happy, really happy. That's about the best case scenario you can, I think, hope for here. I don't oh, think you're I, pulling off your twelve game win streak right now. I agree. Yeah, we're not going to be. Well, I don't think. I mean, gosh, just just win each series. That needs to be the goal. Win the series. Yeah, and that's win that's what series. five of seven kind of does. And win yep. that game against the Cubs. Like you, yep. you got to win that. You can't give up those crappers. Right. Um. The biggest news probably is what we buried here is Tatis Jr. from the Padres getting suspended 80 games for PED use. Um, that'll be the rest of this regular season, which he was just about getting ready to come back from an injury from, mm-hmm. and then the first 40-ish next year. But so that uh, that's big for the Padres. What'd you say? That number depends on playoffs, how many playoff games they have. Okay. Into next season, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for you know. There's 40, in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah. What of I said, 40. close to it. Um. So, what we will have is Leland fully removed from any kind of honorary bandwagon. Hey, I'm rooting for them because the Pirates are so far away from the playoffs. I'll root for the Padres in the playoffs. After this season, I'm fully off because I'm off Tatis Jr. I, he's been exciting, but he has too many times proven to everybody, not just me, everybody, that he's not ready for the role that he's in. Um, and he should be. There's a, there's no excuse for it anymore. There's there's just been too many times here where like he should know better. He needs to grow up. He he he's got to grow up. And even in handling this situation, there's just there's the approach that we see in other areas of life where something bad has happened here. I'm just going to throw as many excuses at it as possible to see what sticks. Um, Tatis Jr. is learning by that lesson, and uh, we're just seeing multiple excuses. Um, rainworm, you sent me one tonight where his dad said he yeah, it's some had some kind a bad, of fungus and a hairstylist. Hair yeah, it was some kind of fungus that got yeah, not from just, a hairstylist nah. or whatever. And I was like, look, the ringworm was more believable than that, and the ringworm was not believable. Like, honestly, when I saw the ringworm excuse, I just laughed. I was like, you know what? A for creativity, dude. I've never heard oh, that yeah. excuse. I, I've enjoyed what the Padres been doing, the whole slam Diego and stuff's been fun. I but I'm I, I'm gonna rob it through the playoffs. I yes. am still gonna hold on to my position this year because Tatis Jr. won't be a part of it. But then when he is back and going into the season that you're expected for him to be back, 
I'm off. I, I, as I've given him all the chances I can, I really wanted to like him. Um, and it's just, I can't, I can't buy into that because I just don't know how he's going to disappoint me next. And uh, so I can throw my bandwagon fandom some different direction because Lord knows the pirates won't be a factor. And um, Baltimore's open. Um, it has it a little bit. I got to root for them next year. That's probably, that probably will be my, <laughs> that's, you know, that's true. You do yeah. have to, because you also placed a friendly I, wager on it. I did pass, pass. It was more than a friendly bet. It's a steak dinner bet. It, it matters the most. Okay. Um, I haven't lost one of these steak dinner bets before, so I'm, I'm on a limb here. Um, but I Padres are out. I'll find somebody else. You know, I, I was kind of rooting for the Braves a couple years ago. They didn't do it. Uh, the Twins was another team. I've like on the podcast because my Pirates are always terrible. I, I try to have that team. I'm kind of pulling for. Uh, so I got to figure out who that's going to be next year. I, I, you're right. I think it's going to be Baltimore. Um, but I do think it's important to remember how young Tatis is uh, in terms of the maturity stuff. Um, but that being said, you got to learn something. You got to yeah, show that you're learning. sure that being said, I think when you get caught, you just got to kind of say, yeah, sorry. I have like, disagreements on like why this is positive, but I have to own, yeah. if, you know, it's tested and I have to own the test and move on. Like I would, I would actually I just, count the, this as a huge negative. Like the, the outlandish excuses also, it's just the timing of it is I think the most damning part, right? He's coming off an injury. And now he tests positive shortly before he returns to play, which I think is probably an indication of what he's doing to try to heal and get ready. Um, yeah. And that sucks uh, because, as you said, he he was a young, exciting player. Still is going to be a young, exciting player. But now he's going to have this stain. And if, if he owned this, I'd still I, I'd, I'd be quicker to pass by this out of yeah. seeing what all's gone in baseball. I'd almost I'd like, rather. If, yeah. Look, I, I'm not naive i i know that this isn't that he's isn't the only player right using stuff he's just the only one that got caught i guess right now but um i i do long for the day when the athletes just say yep my bad yeah see in may i don't know what to tell you yeah, yeah. And, and you've seen like the frustrations in the clubhouse like manny machado when he was yeah. asked about it just kind of a very cold answer honestly on he hasn't been here all year, so we're just gonna keep playing without him. And yeah. like a very cold answer, a lot of frustration in that uh, clubhouse for a team that honestly, um, even with him coming back, it definitely would have added the offense. But they have a huge mountain to climb there in terms of the LA Dodgers. Right now, they are fighting yeah, for their playoff lives. Card. Yeah, yeah, they are fighting for their playoff lives. And unlike the Orioles, a team that wasn't expected to be there, they were expected to be challenging for the division. And that division race is over they have no shot at catching the Dodgers in the standings in terms of the NL West their only hope is to grab one of those three wild card spots and they are clinging to that last one right now so they have got to figure it out and they're a team that has honestly like their big closer they traded for and Josh Hader has blown a couple saves already which is not good news for them I mean Soto's hitting so that's helpful there but uh past that it yeah I not what they need they just played what the nationals this weekend so that wasn't any competition there which i you know i saw some people being like wow how come nats fans cheered him after he turned down all that money i think nats fans know what's going on there yeah like they do they know the ownership is in the middle of trying to sell the team and they know that right now that's not a healthy place to be. Like, I'll tell you what, though, dude. You talk about the Padres here. <laughs> they just beat the the Nationals in a series. Since since they got swept by the Dodgers, 
they beat the Giants in a series, which, okay. Then they, they had the Nationals. They have the Marlins. They have the Nationals again. They have Cleveland. And then they have Kansas City. <laughs> like, they, they can make up some wild card ground in the next couple weeks here, the rest of this month. Um, and they, they need to. Not have a heart and they're actually right now, they're a half game ahead of the Phillies. So they're they're in the second wild card spot, and the Phillies are in that last wild card spot. They, they can help their wild card the big time. The good news month. is they're going against like the Brewers, who are a team that just seems allergic to winning as well. So they might be okay in terms of making the playoffs. But then, yeah. okay, they're not you get in. the Dodgers, but that's that's been out. Yeah, you get in. You're the last place team in. You're gonna have to play the Cardinals, who are a team that I would not want to play in the postseason. Yeah. Or the Mets with them trumpets. Um, uh, the Rangers fired. You're not gonna play the Mets. It's either gonna be the Cardinals. Oh yeah, yeah. Or if you're the you're second trying, wild card. If you're the second, was, well, that's true. If they're the second wild card, they could play the Mets. <laughs> but that's gonna mean the Braves are gonna have to catch the Mets. Who, I mean, I guess there's still some time left in the year, but it. I feel if like they weathered their. The Mets, it's the Braves. I, I mean, figured it. Well, but you kind of feel like when they had that slide to let the Braves back in within, I think they got within a game or maybe even got ahead of the Mets at one point. Like now the Mets are back ahead and have some space. You kind of feel like the Mets weathered that storm already. Plus Buck Showalter is a new manager. Buck Showalter is a very good manager. I think, I think the Mets are solid. I, I, I mean, I think they're going to win that division. They're going to be the playoffs. I think they're going to win that division. The question is, do the Phillies jump the Padres and the Padres get the last wild card spot or do the Padres get the second wild card spot, meaning they play the Braves? Who knows? The Rangers fired their manager on Monday. Mm -hmm. All that did was remind me, I was like, okay, like they fired him because he wasn't meeting expectations. Like what we were making, they actually spent some money this off season and stuff. Yeah. They were one of the teams Buster only said the Orioles should be like. Yeah. So firing their manager. How about it? We should be a team that instead of a game and a half behind a wild card spot is nine and a half back of a wild card spot in the AL West. So kicking it to college football. Um, I mean, I listened to some Brett Pry. Uh, I listened to two different podcasts that had Brett Pry um, interviews. I love that guy. Yeah. Um, but outside of Virginia Tech, <laughs> uh, LSU's Miles Brennan, he started, you remember his name? He started like in 2020 uh, for LSU when there was no fans in the stands. Uh, hurt in 21. Uh, he was competing for the starting quarterback job as like a six year with the COVID plus uh, year. He obviously it wasn't winning that competition because he's stepping away from football. They're not citing anything medical um, and he's stepping away from football. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what to read into that. If he's very good in baseball too. So maybe he's just choosing that direction, but if he was about to be the starter for LSU, he wouldn't be going anywhere. And uh, this is a guy that also, entered the portal right after Orgeron was fired last year. And then Brian Kelly convinced him to come back. Well, now here's August. I, I think the writing's on the wall there that we're going to see Arizona state transfer Jaden Daniels or that sophomore Garrett Nussmeyer take the job. I'm, I have all these details. I, it doesn't matter. I just, I, I just, I, I hate the approach of things aren't going the way that I want. I, I quit. I just, I hate that approach. I hate that it seems like players are so quick to that move. I think it's bothersome. I would say we don't know what's going on. So do you have an, Do you have you heard more than I've heard? 
No, I'm just saying you don't know what's going on. Like, what if he is choosing to focus on baseball instead? That's him focusing on baseball, prioritizing the sport he thinks he has the best shot at going pro. That'd be about the only thing that I think I'd come off this for. Like, unless... Maybe he just doesn't love football anymore either. Like, that's also a possibility. I, I guess the bothersome thing is that, like, over the summer, he signed three NIL deals. And since NIL deals aren't based on performance, he'll still cash those checks this season. Like, he's That's getting fair. paid for NIL deals for nothing. So I don't like that look either. Like, sure. if you're going to – so if, if it is the love of the game or something like that, well, then that's not what any of this is a, about. Like, if you're, if, you're, if you're wavering on your love of the game, maybe you shouldn't be accepting money to play it and knowing there's that loophole there where you, if you play it or not, that you're going to still get the money. I, I don't like it. I don't like this look. Fair enough. I don't know everything about the story. I, I guess there is some things that can change my mind about it, but just on the surface, what's been reported so far, I haven't seen something that makes me feel good about this. I, I guess with NIL and all this, I guess I've just further been disillusioned. I think, and just how conference realignment and all that stuff is going, um, I've been a little bit disillusioned with college sports in the sense that, uh, and I, I hate to break this to fans of college sports if if you still believe this, but you can count the number of players on your football roster with a JPP hand that actually love your school. Otherwise, it's a business. They're going there because they think that's where they can play or they think that's where they can win. Or that's the only place that wants them. That's it. And now NIL's involved, so that's where they think they can get a sweet NIL deal. That's it. As unfair as the rules were against these players before, I feel like we've just swung too far the opposite direction. I think they have... Well, it'll correct in time. Yeah, I hope it corrects soon, because I think it'll be better for the game. I'm not saying it needs to go back the way it was. I'm I'm not pushing for that. I think there should be money out there for these kids for how much money is being made off of them. But... Well, I've already with said with the transfer portal and the wide open NIL deals, sure. I, I think it's way too far in the opposite direction. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, what did I interrupt you saying? What were you saying? Nah, uh, I don't want to say it. Um, <laughs> with the the AP top twenty five got released too, um, and no surprise, Alabama's first, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, not really a surprise in the top four. Notre Dame being five. Um. I guess when I look at the poll, like some of the surprises that leap out at me, Wake Forest, that poll, I guess, still being voted on before the news of Sam Hartman dropping out. Um, the but, previous poll that we looked at had Wake Forest way up there, but this but coach's poll still, I think was fresh. Still, this AP poll that, well, I'm talking about the AP poll that came out today, um, has them 22. Like, yeah, way too high. How? Even with Sam Hartman, Wake Forest is not a number 22 team in the country. Yeah. Yeah, Pitt, I, Pitt I at agree. 17, no. I mean, I think Pitt, Pitt's the favorite to win the Coastal, them in Miami, right? And so they're sitting there. Honestly, what? you want my honest opinion on it? This is more G5 slander. These AP preseason <laughs> polls. That's pretty true. They have Cincinnati and Houston way down at the bottom. Yeah. And BYU. 
those three teams are better than everyone ahead of them up to, and honestly, we'll see what Miami has this year. But NC State might be ranked too high. I think Baylor is ranked too high. Like, some of these teams, you look at them and you're like, no way. The team that sticks out to me, and it's just, I think I was looking at this year's schedule for Tech a little bit harder this past week. That might have been part of one of the podcasts I was listening to. Uh, we have NC State on the schedule, and they're ranked 13th on this poll that I'm showing mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, they're the team that, like, most people, like, if you're not picking Clemson, you're picking NC State. Like, that's kind of how it's going in the ACC, or particularly in the Atlantic side of the ACC. So I, I guess I need to know more about NC State. NC State was a team last year I had pointed out on a couple occasions of, like, have an interest, and I think I forgot about them. So that's the team that kind of stuck out to me. But I also think about where NC State comes in on that poll is about where I, like, yeah, from there on, you don't have a chance to win a national title there. And probably from there up, maybe you could be included in the playoffs. Like, just kind of looking at, at those teams there. Like, if, if you go undefeated, you're, you're going to be in. And I don't see un- NC State going undefeated, so I think that's what I believe. I, You know, Southern Cal's down in that area. A lot of people are really positive on there. I don't get it. I don't get how Lincoln Riley's just going to go in there year one and completely 180 that thing. I, I, I'm just not projecting that at all. Maybe he makes them better. Maybe they're a top 25 team. I'm not going to say they're not, but like people are talking to them winning the Pac-12 and being in the playoff. And I'm like, that's bizarre. Like, I, how are they going to, I don't know. I'll eat my words, but I, there's no way you're about to argue with me. No, I, I think NC State is probably a really good team. Um, 13 seems mighty high, but if they beat Clemson, yeah. then 13 is not going to be high enough. And I think that's the real question, right? Like that's one of those games on the schedule. I don't think we're going to win. So yeah. that's, that's one of the few that I can see. That's, that's yeah. the sad thing about optimist hokey fan that I know I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that not a game I'm going into I've like, Oh, well, if we win this one, like honestly, the two, the, the teams that are ranked on the schedule here, NC state, Miami, like those are games. I don't think and we played like win. right in a row though, too. Yeah. Pitt, maybe it's Pitt, at Pitt. Pitt lost a lot. We, it is at Pitt, but I could, We've like won at Pitt like once since it's been Heinz Field, I think. JPP. <laughs> um, but it's not Heinz Field anymore, though. So yeah, that's good. true. It's <laughs> Aquifer Insurance or whatever. Aquifer. I don't know what the heck that company's called. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Some geology thing stadium. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> yeah, Aquafina Insurance. I don't know. I thought you said aquifer. I did say aquifer the oh, first time. That got me. <laughs> I said aquifer the first time, but yeah, aquafina, aquifer. Aquafina, man. Sometimes after a football game. If it's game, aquafina, they aquafina, they should have the Bojack Horseman aquafina dolphin. <laughs> like, just singing as the team enters the field. The real question is are they going to have Heinz ketchup or Hunt's ketchup now? I saw some dude uh, during the Steelers. Um, like it was the highlights. I saw Steelers preseason game. They there was some dude dressed up like the ketchup bottle and the Heinz ketchup bottle. I was like, keep the dude in the stadium. Season tickets, give it to him. Man. Um. Well, what you you brought it up? What you think? I don't know. I didn't watch it. I, I mean, wow. I, there's no preseason football that's like assignment viewing for me. Now, uh, fifteen years ago. Different story. 15 years ago, I could be obsessed with a preseason football game and really given a crap about a third and two in the second quarter of a preseason football game. 
since then, I've added more people to my life, and I completely sucked my energy away from preseason football. And I don't care. I, you know, what I look for in the highlights or what I'm, you know, on Twitter kind of seeing first three to five drives, how did they go? And, and three in this first game and five in like that third game when they, you know, play a little bit more. That's all I really care about. Starters on starters. How did we do? Did we move the ball? We don't even have to score. Did we move the ball down the field? Did we stop them from moving the ball down the field? That's what I care about. I, I don't know. You know, everybody wants to prop up Kenny Pickett for going nine for 11 or whatever he was, but he only in nine completions threw for like 87 yards. Like that's a lot of easy passes that he's making. He's going to have to throw the ball downfield at this level. Um, yeah. I mean, Trubisky's got to be our man this year because Kenny Pickett's not ready. Because if Kenny Pickett was going to be our starter, at no point would he be listed as third string quarterback. So behind uh, Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer there. I, apparently Rudolph's on the trade block. I, I think that's better. I think it's better for him. I think it's better for the organization. Let's Kenny Pickett needs to be getting those second rep, second strain reps, and he needs to be in that role and he needs to get himself ready in case Trubisky goes down or Trubisky's not good enough. Um, so that's, that's how I feel about that. The Steelers are the only thing I even paid attention to on Twitter about preseason football. I really wow. didn't pay attention to anything else. It's interesting. I really didn't. So, um, do you have a boring weekend? Did you watch it? I actually <laughs> did. Um, parts of it. I wasn't glued to the TV, but I was, um, I went to Richmond to hang out with a friend and watch sure. some games. Uh, we were there to watch the Oriole game that didn't go great, but, um, preseason football was on one of the many other TVs. Uh, so I did see parts of the Steelers game. I saw, a part of the commander's game where the only way I could describe it. And I described it to our friend Rob uh, today as people who were trying to be cut. Like that just seemed to me like I was like, I want to be a fly on the wall in the, in the film room today Uh, because there was a play that ended up costing the commanders, the game where a defensive lineman just rips the helmet off of Matt Corral with, with Washington in I, I the lead. I get the feeling. I get that motivation. With, with <laughs> Washington in the lead, dying seconds of the game, just rips his helmet off. And I was like, dumb. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, it was, I was like, okay, dude. Um, and there was an illegal contact that took away a potential turnover earlier in the drive. It was just like, a bunch of players and it's like I told him today, like players playing in preseason in the fourth quarter of the first game are not guarantees on the roster spot. And those guys were just like, Hey, you can't trust me, which is not the message you want to be sending. Yeah. Come cut time. (laughs) Although the Washington front office managed to step in it again. So they can't get out of their own way. No, they can't. All right, what do you got that's dominating your life? Uh, well, I touched on it earlier with the Big Bad Wolf song by The Heavy, but that was on a show called Sand- The Sandman on Netflix. Uh, and I it intrigued me because it was a show apparently based on a graphic novel, I believe, by Neil Gaiman, who's an author I enjoy reading. I haven't read any graphic novels he's done, but I've enjoyed his uh, short stories and novels. But... Um, when I heard he was heavily involved in the making of the show as well, I was like, all right, I'm in. 
Um, and I found it to be, in fact, I think he, I'd have to look it up. I think he was the main character. I'd never looked it up while I was watching the show, but, um, it's interesting. I'll give it that. The first season, I didn't hate it. I don't know. It's not my favorite show, but it's, it's left me intrigued for a season two. And, um, so I would recommend it. It's, it's not horror. Um, it's like a thriller, I guess, kind of fantasy mystery kind of thing. Hmm. Which is what he kind of writes about. Is a lot of mythology, a little bit. He likes I mean, writing I, about mythology I, as well. I googled it. I see like the images from the show and the show poster and stuff. And you do this to me all the time when I say things. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to watch that. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I do do it to you all the time. <laughs> I do do it to you all the time. It's not Neil Gaiman. Uh, that is the. Gosh, it sounds like his voice though. So that lead actor's really got a good Neil Gaiman voice, but. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's I, you're, fine. you're right. I do do it to you all the time. I do it to yeah, you I mean, and Steve. No. When they, I know I'm not going to watch it. I don't, I'm when not you like send it. me messages about, oh, this. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> what I did start watching, uh, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, the Terminal List on Amazon. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it's on. It's not on other things that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Chris Pratt, Military. His brother, Tim Riggins. Back, yeah. Man, I, I like Tim Riggins. Uh, uh, Taylor Kitsch, or however you say his name. Uh, sure. But I like him, and I like him so far. I've only watched two episodes, but, like, mm. you know, I like him so far. He's, he, he's playing the Tim Riggins kind of role. He's a little a little more San Diego Tim Riggins than he is West Texas <laughs> uh, Tim Riggins, but that's fine. You know, he's still Tim Riggins. And I, I will not call him anything but Tim Riggins. Like, they can call him whatever the brother's name is. It's Tim Riggins. Like, that's, that's who he is. I'm glad you do uh, that. I do that a lot. But the show is not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, it, I mean, I know it's military, and I, I saw commercials, so, like, I knew it wasn't going to be Mr. Positive show. Uh, it's a touch more negative than I was, was hoping for. Um, in the first episode, you, you get there. Yeah. Um, so I think midway through the second episode, I was like, I could probably let this one go. Like, if, if wow. this episode wrapped up. I, I might be able to like give this up because it's like I get where they're going. I just like I'm not here for it right now. But the end of the second episode, it finally just briefly gets to something that's like, okay, I'm gonna know. I, I'm gonna have to watch the rest of these eight episodes to know what goes on here. Um, so I thought a good little build up there, um, and it wasn't slow. It's not like it was slow getting there. It just it it it's just the things that were happening. I just I wasn't here for, and I you're made to really doubt the main character, Chris Pratt, um, but also then maybe think that you shouldn't doubt him. And so it just goes both ways. And so I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I will watch more, probably not at an incredibly fast rate, but I bet we get them all done. So, uh, so I started watching that. I, I'm not sure if I'm on recommend level with this yet, but uh, I'm liking what I've seen the first two episodes. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that you feel that way because I, I'm a little deeper than you. I think I'm three or four in, but I haven't, I, I'd almost need like a refresher, um, before I start another episode, just because it's been so long since I've seen it. I've, I've stepped away, um, which is not a ringing endorsement of the show either, but it's just for me, like there's been other shows where I'm like, I kind of want to know what's going on in this show instead. Um, like only murders in the building and. Uh, there's some shows on HBO that I like, and um, 
Yeah. So it just hasn't been at the top of my priority list, and I don't know. Like right now, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to rewatch everything Peaky Blinders to get to that new season. Um, so huh. it, it might be a while before I get to the terminal list. The other thing that came out of this weekend, and and the exact incident, I'm not going to go too deep on. I, I want to talk about the greater issue here. Um, in in near Dallas, Texas, Little League football, there was a shooting as a result of an argument happening during a Little League football game. Sure. And it was one of the coaches from one of the teams. And uh, at least today, he has turned himself in. They've been looking for him since Saturday. Today, he turned himself in. So uh, I will take that he is eventually here stepping up and and uh, owning up. Um, it's a keep to leaves brother. I, I I don't it doesn't push anything on Tlaib at all. You know, it's that's two separate people. Um, but so that's that. I I don't know all the details. I don't know what was what. It was an ugly, ugly scene that you know exploded into even worse. I just the tension surrounding little kids playing sports has somehow got to find a way to release. Like it, it's just not healthy for anybody involved when you have these adults ruining sports for kids. And I mean, it's, then it's reinforcing kids being way more serious about sports than they really need to be at age 10. And there's so many pro athletes out there right now that would seem the same words that I'm saying right now. Like there's too much pressure. There's too much seriousness. And it, and like just the high percentage of failure and you're setting these kids up like what lessons when they're that serious, that young, what lessons are they really learning? You know, um, and the specialization in sports. And when you look, I don't know, there was some stat this from like the games on Saturday for NFL, the starting quarterbacks for those teams. And like each one of them played like three sports in high school and stuff like, and I get that that was, I guess these guys were in high school um, in, since 2000. So it does, it's not that long ago that these players, you know, maybe Tom Brady uh, was in the nineties, but a lot of these other ones since then, um, I don't know. I just, I, there's gotta be, I don't know. I have no clue how we accomplish this, but it just, it's just awful. It's the, I mean, you have articles every week uh, around the nation talking about official, there's not enough officials because people are hard on the officials. There's, coaches getting out of the business because they can't take the parents anymore. You have the parents being the coaches in little league and there's violence involved. You see all these ugly videos at little league baseball games and little league basketball games. It's just, I, we got to find there's, there's gotta be a way that someone can come up with a way to just to like calm the tensions here. Cause I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And I, and I've played through these leagues. I've coached in these kind of leagues I'm now a parent and a coach in, in these kind of leagues. And like, I don't understand the motivation for what you see on the internet. Obviously this, it didn't just start happening in the last 10 years. Just everybody has Twitter, Twitter now in the last 10 years. I just, there is more tension surrounding this and I, I would just love for it to ease up. I agree. Um, it was a incredibly sad story and I don't know the facts on that story. So like, I don't want to dive much deeper into that. I've yeah, seen the headlines. Right. I, I don't I'm with you there that. because of that. And I, I just kind of, yeah. but it's sad. I mean, regardless of what the details are, a man died. That yeah. Over, no one's right. <laughs> over a, a football game with yeah. 
which is stupid no matter what level, but especially uh, in front of children. And they have to see that. Like, that's awful. Um, but if you disagree, talk about it like men. You don't have to fight. And then walk away because it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, and that's any, and that's any level, right? Like, yeah. I joke. I joke a lot. And I joked with uh, frequent guests of the podcast, John Leonard, today about um, this game that rates Derek Jeter as a better fielder than Cal Ripken. And I was like, look, I just need to know who I need to fight. Like, um, <laughs> joking, of course, because it's not something I'm actually going to fight over. But, uh, <laughs> but it's it's sports and it's supposed to be fun and like especially at these little leagues yeah it's just supposed to be fun who cares like i played flag football some of my teams were really good some of my teams absolutely sucked my level of fun didn't change i i had friends on both of those teams and enjoyed playing on you know both kinds of teams um so I just, I think parents need to remember, and maybe this is a good reminder as we get into high school sports again in the coming weeks. Calm like, down. Calm down. It is not going to make or break your kid's life on the outcome right. of whatever the game they might that you are at. be better off losing something once in a while. And they might you know be what? better the off. Life is going to lose at some point. They might be better off if you don't, care to the point where you're screaming at an official or coach or other players to the point where you stand out in the crowd. Like right. that's where your child is probably going to be more embarrassed than you helping like you're quote unquote trying to do. Yeah. <sighs> Not saying yeah, that it's... anyone that listens to this podcast does that because obviously you are very intelligent people, but maybe <laughs> remind the people around you. I swear, I think the only times I've really, like, pushed the limits on this, really, are, are when I'm at a sporting event and I, I'm i more trying to be funny, like, and make the crowd around me laugh. Like, that's, like, my, like, the yeah. loudest things I say, I say in some kind of jokey manner to get the people around me laughing. Like, I'm, I'm never too hard on an official. I, I'm definitely not yelling at players. Um, I don't know. And then a lot of that goes back to, like, College. We used to go to Friday night college soccer games, and it was just like, I don't know. It was like that, and I was, I don't know. And even then, I probably wasn't right. So, as an adult, as a parent, yeah, just sit there and cheer. And if cheering's not what's appropriate at that time because of what's going on, then shut up. And coaching, like, come on. It should never even be physical. If you if if you disagree, if the officials are handling something improperly and you want to make them aware of that, there's ways of doing that calmly and, and discussing it. But physical violence at these things, ridiculous. Speaking yeah. of physical violence, how's Liverpool doing? Not great. We got a guy red carded today because he headbutted somebody. So that was fun. Uh, somehow we managed to score a man down to equalize, but that's two games, two draws against two teams we should not be drawing. So, did you have like Manchester United coming soon? Gosh, yeah, that's the only good news is they suck worse than we do. They got embarrassed <laughs> by Brentford four nil, which was insane to the point where that's a fan base. Okay, so we just mentioned like this doesn't matter. Calm down. Those you don't say that to English soccer fans because that's how you get murdered. 
Uh, but <laughs> like, I'm honestly worried for the Glazers over there because I'm like, yeah, those people are not handling this well. Uh, the Glazers are American owners of Manchester United who, since owning the team, I don't think Manchester United has won a title. I don't think they've won any hardware. The fans are not taking that well. Um, and this year has kind of been extremely terrible for them. They have lost both matches. This one, again, to Brentford, which was 4-0. They shouldn't lose to Brentford 1-0, but losing 4-0 was bizarre. It would be the equivalent of, I don't know, let's say App State when they beat Michigan. Not only beating Michigan by blocking that field goal, but, like, running up the score and beating them by, like, 28 points. Like, Mm. it was bad to the point where you're like, okay, Manchester United, you officially have a problem. (laughs) Um, Ronaldo's not happy. It's a new manager in. He's not winning the hearts and minds of many fans or players over there right now. So, uh, that's the only good news for Liverpool is you play Man United and... God, we hope we find the goals here soon because they they just need to figure it out. They have the offensive firepower. Losing Mane hurt, but they have enough players there that they should be doing better than they are. They just need to start clicking sooner rather than later. So we'll, well see what happens. For your sake, I have to do. But it's just a game, right? So. <sighs> On that note. I mean, yeah, when you see the Little League stuff, it makes you question your fandom. That's, like, not ridiculous. You know, like, because what we say is not serious. Like, no, we hate these other teams. And all. like, it just, like, you know, it just makes you question it when, like, you get down to the most basic level of sports where the kids should actually be playing for the love of the game and fun. And you're having this kind of behavior happen around it. It makes you question your fandom about uh, like how you approach everything else and like it shouldn't we shouldn't we should be able to be fanatical about these bigger sports and these younger sports should just be what they're supposed to be and yeah and again it's like (laughs) you know but you're not you're not going to get a scholarship when you're 10 right you you will go to prison if you murder somebody when you're when your kid's 10 Part of me wanted to joke with you, like, we should be able to be fanatical and yell and say terrible things about, you know, our rivals. Uh, But we probably shouldn't. A lot of... With the temperature these days. I was going to say. I mean, I lay into UVA all the time, and but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually hate people just for being from UVA. Like, sometimes there's other characteristics involved. (laughs) <laughs> but like it's not once i hate them and then find out that it just adds up no yeah then I, i'm like oh <laughs> of course it makes sense no but um just kidding but um no but like whenever the, anything's gotten serious with uva or virginia tech and those schools have supported each other i mean yes. at the obvious times of the worst negatives uh the schools have supported each other and um which reminds you like it's bigger way. than sports right and like yeah, you and i real I'm a Ravens fan, you're a Steelers fan, and I hate the Steelers and you hate the Ravens. But at the end of the day, like, we're still going to talk to each other. We're still going to be friends. Like, it's not that big of a deal where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk to anybody from Pittsburgh. I have so many <laughs> friends that root for teams from Pittsburgh. Honestly, it's yeah. it's alarming to me. Um, that being said, I tried my best, I guess, to lose one of them at the baseball game I went to when we were playing the Pirates. <laughs> Luckily, that didn't happen. But... um. 
Yeah, I think the few that, times. Yeah, and I'll get carried away when I'm at a game. I've been but... like any kind of actually like irritated with you or mad, and it's always coming out of like the podcast. Like it's never about fandoms or anything like that. It, like I've right. never been mad at you about the trash talk because like that's part of the game. But like normally it's <sighs> normally when I've made you mad during a sporting event, it's over the team that we both root for. Yes, and that was you in make the me past. More mad. I actually get more irritated at you about Virginia Tech yeah. than I do about. Well, that's the because I was right. I think that's why you were mad. It's because you knew I was right, and you just they were they were proving me right, and that's what made you mad. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I'm sure you'll come over for a Tech game this year, but like you have irritated me more during Tech games than every other game. Yeah, well, but this year is going to be bright sunshines and rainbows and positive, low expectations. It's a pry new world, yeah. Oh, I like that. Is that what we're saying? Is that the hashtag? Know, it's just, a pry new world. Made it up. I just made it up. Wow. Stamp it. Write that down. Yeah, trademark. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about high school. We'll have a more in-depth high school football preview next week. We'll be talking oh, about yeah. volleyball. Oh, man, I've been working on it all summer. It's pretty. Yeah, I've been making sure Leland only saves it for next week and we haven't been talking about it every single week like he wants to uh but when everybody i talk to talks about it i think it's what the augusta county sports fan thinks. that's fine the augusta county sports fan doesn't know what they want (laughs) they need their broccoli too like sometimes you gotta eat your vegetables uh well next week next week it's on and you're gonna shut me up for about yeah it's meats it's meats and potatoes next week okay you're gonna get what you want 17 weeks of high school football Plus the volleyball and everything else to talk about high school sports. I'm just looking for it. The summer's over. Next week, summer's over. So we'll get into that. Uh, and make sure to tell your friends. Subscribe to the podcast. Share episodes. You can find us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. You can find us on Facebook searching Yak Sports Pod. That's spelled Y-A-C. Or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So you can listen each and every week to the Yak Sports Podcast as we go down the stretch, focusing on the local sports that you care about. Until then, folks, have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.